This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. It's Friday. It's Toronto Today, Hogan in for Wheeler today here on TSN 1050. Busy show today. So much to pack into two hours. But we will do our darndest to achieve that. Uh, joining us uh, here in the first hour, if you're into the whole McGregor Mayweather thing, we'll get into this a little bit. Uh, Brendan Schaub is going to join me in studio. He's the analyst for Showtime. He is a former UFC heavyweight. He is a comedian, and he has spent some time in the NFL. So he's, he's kind of... But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Brendan and get his thoughts on the, the thing coming up. I don't know if you're into that or not. I don't know if you like the sideshow, uh, traveling roadshow of news conferences earlier this month, or I guess... Yeah, it would have been earlier this month. That uh, was It was interesting. I'm sure Brendan has many thoughts on not only the road show, but the combatants in this fight. He'll drop by in about 10 minutes' time. Uh, Israel Fair will join us from the Athletic TO. And it was uh, it was an interesting one down at the ball yard yesterday. We'll get into that here momentarily as well. Uh, is he at uh, 11.30? At 12 o'clock, Scott Salmond will join us, who is the VP of Hockey Operations and National Teams for Team Canada. Used to be pretty easy. Okay, we'll take the best players that Canada has to offer. They're going to shut down the NHL. Here's my checklist. I'd like these three in nets. I would like him, 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 and him on the blue line. And let's go with this group at forward. And there's your team. Now, those guys are out. How do they put this team together? Who are they looking at? We had Carlo Koliakovo on the program yesterday, who is um, who is one of the invitees for a couple of uh, shall we say, pre-camp tournaments that are coming up where they're going to try and evaluate some players. So we'll, we'll talk to Scott about just what the process is now to try and whittle players down into a, a national team for the Olympics. Steve Buffery will join us. The Beezer from the uh, Toronto Sun. We'll get to, into the baseball talk as well. He was covering that yesterday. Interesting family angle uh, with the uh, home run by Pierce yesterday. We'll get into that. There may be a player on the team that Beezer thinks that he can beat in a foot race. We'll get more into that. And, uh, well, the ejections. And more about that again in a couple of seconds. And uh, Argo's at Regina tomorrow to take on the Rough Riders. Chris Cuthbert uh, will join us from TSN. And uh, he's one of the play-by-play voices uh, yesterday. I hope If you are a football fan, I hope you caught the last couple of minutes of the Montreal-Winnipeg game last night. That was outstanding. Two touchdowns in the last minute and a half to come from 12 down and get the win. That was was bizarre and a lot of fun to watch. So uh, CC will join us at 12.30. We'll get a little Argos talk in and some general CFL talk in as well. Uh, It's funny, the talk of the town for the most part over the last month hasn't been whether or not the Blue Jays can find themselves in a playoff spot. I think it really changed after the 10-game road uh, road trip after the All-Star break. It's like, okay, I think we're a little more resigned in this town. And maybe some of the optimists got, uh, or are right now, about the way that the Jays have played 
four-game sweep over the Oakland. We all know Oakland is, uh, has been selling as well, but they took advantage of it, the Jays did. But they are still six games out of a wild-card spot and still have to pass Baltimore, L.A., Texas, Minnesota, Seattle, Tampa, and Kansas City and or the Yankees. A lot of, lot of tough sledding there. And it's, it's, it's not a pristine ball club by any stretch of the imagination. The pitching hasn't been good. Um, among you know all the the ales of the Toronto Blue Jays, but at least for the last four days, especially the way that they have come up with the wins, it's it's been fun to be a Blue Jays fan. But the story is about the deals, and uh, we'll get into that as the uh, day continues, obviously. But the story yesterday, aside from the walk off, was Stroman, Martin. Gibbons getting the heave-ho yesterday. As Will Little, the home plate umpire yesterday, seemed to get into it fairly early with Stroman and Martin about the strike zone. And it continued, and it continued. And then in the fifth inning, enough was enough for Will Little, and he tossed Stroman and Martin and Gibbons. And it was, it, it, it was you know, I don't know what was said. Did Stroman say the magic word? How long had this been going on? What were the conversations like behind the plate between Martin and Little? No umpire likes to be shown up. But was it what was done yesterday, what was said yesterday, was it enough to get a starting pitcher tossed? Um, here's DeMarlo Hill. He took he took over for Gibby yesterday, obviously. And talking about Will Little's performance behind the plate and whether or not it was any good. Oh, I, I think he was reacting to, to Strowman. And, you know, I think Strowman maybe reacted to him as well. Uh, I, I, I got out there because um, um, Strowman started to come down uh, from the pitcher's mound. And, you know, I'm reacting in that point, too. You know, I'm, I'm not taking everything in and, 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 and seeing who's saying what, you know, I'm kind of reacting to our players. So, um, like I said, it's an emotional game. I'm sure the umpires uh, have dealt with this, and they're going to move on just like we're going to move on. You know, this, this, is, this is professional baseball. It get emotional, you know, and down the stretch, it probably <laughs> will be a few other games like that, you know. So just try to control your emotions. Marlo Hale, uh, Gibby didn't do the uh, postgamer yesterday. Um, there are players who have to play with a little bit of an emotional edge. They get a little bit more out of themselves if, and we'll use Stroman for an example, because that's where we're going with this. Stroman is a guy who has a chip on his shoulder. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, it's just a thing. Stroman is a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve. You know what he is feeling at any given moment. And in my estimation, I think Stroman pitches better when he's got that chip. When he's pitching angry, I think he's a much better pitcher. Uh, here's Hale once again talking about Stroman's emotions. You know, he's done this. Uh, he, he pitches with emotions. You know, that's what drives him, I think. Uh, um, also, the umpires, they, they got to do their job and and somewhat control the game, you know, and, you know, that's something that, um, you know, going forward that, you know, both parties are going to have to deal with, you know, just hopefully it don't get to this point 
you know, because he needs to pitch with his emotion sometimes. You know, that's what makes him very good. I agree 100%. Uh, that, absolutely. I had not heard that clip subsequent to, or, or rather, before coming on the air. That makes absolute sense to me. That's the way, that's the way that Stroman pitches. Stroman is so much better when he's engaged. Now it's just finding that fine line. Because you want to pitch with emotion. You want to pitch with adrenaline. That seems to fuel his fire. I think he's much better when he pitches that way. Now, the umpires aren't going to buy into that. If he's really upset about a strike call or non-strike call, and then starts chirping with the umpires a little bit, umpires are human as well. They're, they're going to take it the wrong way. For the most part, I, th- I I would imagine that an umpire at the major league level puts up with way more crap than you could imagine. But where is that line? And Marcus Stroman, after the game was over, talked about the umpires. I'm not going to be talking about that, man. If you want to talk about my team, uh, Morales, Piercy, um, anything with the win, but as far as when it comes to umpires or any of that, I'm not going to be making any comments about that, man. I want to make my next start. There we go. Smart man. Didn't want to get suspended. Didn't want to pay the fine. I think everybody knows how he feels about them. It is the media's job to ask. But I think anybody who was in the media scrum yesterday, when that question was asked of Marcus Stroman, probably knew what to expect. You ask it in case he goes off. You never know. Somebody may have asked that question yesterday, and Marcus Stroman may have gone into a 15-minute diatribe on how he hates the umpires, and Will Little specifically. You don't know unless you ask. So the question was asked. Reporters do their job. Stroman did the right thing by not taking the bait. Absolutely. It would have been interesting to hear. If you're a fan, if you're a media member, if you're an opposing team player who may have a beef with Will Little in the past, hell, it would have been fun. How about those emotions, Marcus? I'm an emotional guy. I'm going to continue to be myself, regardless of, of who doesn't like it, who likes it. I'm always going to be myself, regardless, um, here on out. So I'm emotional. That's how I pitch. That's what I pride myself on. That's what allows me to be my best out there, and that's how it's going to continue to be day in and day out. So if you don't like it, it's okay. There you go. And some people don't like that. Like, I mean, some people really don't like that. And I know that uh, there have been uh, segments on this radio station and, and, uh, and in other medium talking about, uh, you know, Strowman and is he a good guy? Is he a bit of a goof? Like, what's, uh, what's the story there? A lot of people don't like Marcus Strowman, the person who cover the team. They just, the, the folks that I've talked to, because he's, he can be a bit of a jerk. Okay, fine, whatever. Just get the ball and go out there and pitch. He always seems to do his media uh, availability, which I think is important uh, as, as a conduit to the fans to, to, to let you as a fan know what the player or coach is thinking about. I think that's absolutely an essential part of what a professional athlete, uh, his responsibilities are. Stroman always does that. But I, from, from the guys that cover the team, he's not always the, the, the easiest guy to deal with. Okay. He does what he has to do. He doesn't like it, but he still does it. And I, I like watching a guy get fired up on the hill. I really do. And I, I don't say I prefer that, but and I don't think I'd like that if that was every pitcher every day that was like that. But Stroman's a, a, a bit of a one-off. 
baseball can use as much personality as as the athletes can give it, and uh, he has certainly been good doing that. So uh, the other thing that uh, comes out of this is the ability of the umpire, Jim Bowden. Obviously, talking about that quite a bit. Um, there's a conversation about the strike zone. And, well, the former executive, not exactly a fan of people going on about an umpire and his strike zone. So, no, let's just get it right. Let, we, we don't need to argue balls and strikes. Yeah, I'm so sick of hearing people, he had a wide strike zone, he had a low strike zone, I didn't get that 2-2 pitch. Really? Just fix it. If you have the robots and computers do it, we won't talk about it again, and it won't bother anybody, and we won't discuss it. Well, let's discuss it a little bit more. Here's uh, Here are his thoughts about human umps versus the robotic ones. We don't want missed calls and missed it in terms of strike zones. Uh, to rely on so many different humans who have so many different strike zones, it's frustrating. You know, Marcus Stroman, um, I didn't see that pitch you're referring to today, but probably... That pitch would have been a strike based on what you're saying with 85% of the umpires, but then 15% it's not. Like if you all of a sudden have a computer or a robot or whatever you want to call it with laser beams, get the strike zone correct and accurate, guess what? These issues won't happen. It'll go away. We won't have to be talking about this on talk radio. Instead, we can talk about how the Blue Jays need to rebuild their position players, which is much more fun. But for little to make the conversation about him – tells you your answer. Yes, we want robot umpires. More baseball coming up as the show progresses. We will have Israel Fair joining us from the Athletic T.O. at the bottom of the hour, and then in the next hour, Steve Buffery, uh, Buffery from the Toronto Sun. First up, though, this man's got a really long business card. <laughs> he is the lead MMA analyst on Showtime. He is the host of Big Brown Podcast. He is appearing on Comedy Central. He did some time in the NFL. <laughs> Brendan Schaub joining us. <laughs> yeah. How you doing? I'm hanging in. Yeah. Thanks for having me. What what, what brings you to Toronto? Uh, I had a uh, comedy show last night at the Phoenix oh, Concert cool. Theater. Oh, cool. How'd it yeah. go? Amazing, man. It was my first uh, sold-out theater in North America. Really? And, uh, you sold out? That's a big building. That's not a small building. Not small. It's good. Life is good. It's. Uh, I'm on tour right now. I go to Chicago Saturday night. I'm in Detroit, and then I head off to uh, London, Dublin. I have seven shows out there, and uh, I'm just, I'm really fortunate, man. Every show is sold out, so mm-hmm. uh, things are good. So you're going to Dublin. How much uh, Conor McGregor stuff do you have? Uh, not a lot of Conor <laughs> material. You know, I, what, one thing I do do at my shows is that I do uh, fan questions, where I give them a, a, a chance to ask me anything they want that maybe they don't get to ask on the show or mm-hmm. social media. So I imagine things in Dublin get a little crazy. Do you like McGregor? I do, I do. I, I, I think he's. Uh, we're going to look back, you know, years and years from now, and he's going to be kind of that, that game changer, the guy that transcended our sport. He's, he's. You're going to see kids rocking McGregor shirts instead of Bruce Lee. Why do you, th- why do you think he appeals to? I don't know if it's a majority, but he certainly has a big following. You know, I, I think it's a number of things. I, I think a, a big kind of asset that he has is this is a guy five years ago was cashing welfare checks. Yeah. Now, next month, I should say, yeah, in what, five weeks, he's fighting in the biggest 
fight in combat sports history. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, four years ago, cash and welfare check. So it just shows you that if you dream and believe in yourself, this is possible. So I think people see that, see where he comes from. And, it, you know, he, he's kind of that, that dream that, you know, if you wrote this in the movies, if you brought this script to Hollywood, people would go, come on, that's not real. Mm-hmm. He, he's that type of guy. I think he's a once-in-a-lifetime athlete. Do you like Mayweather? I like Mayweather, too. You know, I, uh, I don't like his antics outside the ring. Sure. You know, he obviously has some issues there. Yeah. But as far as boxing goes, you know, he, you know, there's an argument. He's pound for pound, one of the greatest of all time. Definitely the best defensive fighter of all time. Um, you know, just my experience with him working with Showtime, um, uh, my hat's off to him. You see how much of a business-minded person he is and how much detail he puts into all those shows and the production, and it's fascinating. I've got a few years on you. Uh, late 70s, early 80s, you yeah. would see a lot of fights that were gimmicks. You yeah. know what I mean? It would be a wrestler versus a boxer, that you. kind of thing. Yeah. Is this a, is this a gimmick, or, or is this good for boxing and MMA. It's good for boxing and MMA, and I and I caveat that with what it depends what they do after this fight. Okay, because this fight is going to garner huge, huge numbers. Mm-hmm. Price six million, biggest pay per view of all time. I bet it does upwards of six million. Mm-hmm. So it beats Manny Pacquiao, Mayweather. But what's interesting to me is you're getting MMA fans, you're getting boxing fans. And I promise you guys, you're going to get an interesting fight. You're going to get a legit fight, mm-hmm. especially those early rounds. Conor McGregor's awkward style, Floyd, his defensive style, being the smaller fighter, he's 40, Conor in his prime. And I, and I promise you this, Conor actually believes he can win this fight. Mm-hmm. In his heart of hearts, he thinks he's going to win this fight. So when you have that self-belief, he's not going to go in there timid and so respectful of Floyd Mayweather, which most of the guys that he's been fighting, Floyd, you know, he's taken two years off, but they're beat before they even get in there. Connor is not. He actually thinks he's going to win. So the big thing with this, to answer your question, is what does Showtime, what does the boxing world do, what does the UFC do after this huge magnitude fight? What are I, they going to do? I'm wondering what boxing does. Um, I'm, I used to be huge into boxing. I used to host, uh, there were only two North American radio shows that were specifically boxing, and I hosted one of them. Loved the sport from the time I was a kid, and it's lost me. And part of the reason was, and you mentioned how many people love Mayweather. Yes. I can't stand Mayweather. And part of the reason, not only the stuff that he does outside of the ring, sure. which, which speaks for itself, Mayweather and Pacquiao was the fight that could have really helped promote boxing. Agree. And they waited, and they waited, and they ducked each other, yep. and there was no pressure from the sport to say, get your asses in the ring and let's go. I agree. And that... That might have been the final nail for me, just waiting. And I'll be honest, I didn't even watch the fight on replay. You didn't? I, no. Well, you were good for you, because you, I'll never get those 12 rounds back in my life. It was a waste of time. But, but yeah. it, you know, I, I think with that fight, it was... It was it was a long time coming when it finally came. Manny Pacquiao went into the fight injured. Um, yeah. You know, but at that time, I think boxing was taking a serious hit, and that kind of put the nail in the coffin. Now, there's, there's an argument where we're in the golden age of boxing. There's, especially at 47, 40, heavyweight's amazing right now. Yeah. You know, this weekend yeah. on Showtime, you got Mikey Garcia, Adrian Broner, which is an amazing fight. It's getting a little overshadowed. Sure. Every fight is because of Connor and uh, Floyd. But yeah. I think box right now is better than it's ever been. How does MMA benefit from this fight? MMA benefits from this fight if Connor actually goes in and does what I think he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Connor goes in there and gets out, out, outclassed, kind of hurts our sport. It really mm-hmm. does. I think if Connor goes in there, puts on a competitive fight, lands some good shots, 
he's you know Connor wins the spectacle, loses in a decision probably, but um, I think MMA can benefit just by showing that you know boxing is a part of mixed martial arts, mm-hmm. and Connor is that good. His timing, his accuracy, he's actually that good to compete with a boxer who's one of the best of all time. Brendan Schaub joining us in studio, uh, lead analyst for Showtime and uh, former MMA boxer and former NFLer. How long were you with the Bills? I had I, I played, for a while. Yeah, well, I played uh, in the NFL as much as you did, sir. I, I had a cappuccino with the Buffalo Bills. Well, you got. You I, were I went to PR. training camp, and they're like, "We're we're all set. We're all good with that." Yeah, so. Well, you, yeah. you you have to kick the tires a little bit. Yeah, I got to kick the tires, and then uh, I didn't get to drive the car. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also a comedian, and yes. I want to take away take your analyst's hat, yes. put it on, and forget about what's going on in the ring. Sure. The freak show that was the four event. Uh, press conference. Yes. Four cities. Yes. Rate the athletes as comedians <laughs> for what they did on the, in those four days. Because there, there was some good stuff, and there was just, there was a bit of a gong show to that as well. There was. So I wish they would have stopped after Toronto. The Toronto one was the best press conference I've ever seen. Really? Los Angeles, I, 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 gave, I tipped my hat to Floyd Mayweather. I thought his material was original. I thought, I don't know if Will Ferrell helped him write jokes, what happened there, but I thought Floyd came out with some, <laughs> with some really good ones. Connor just didn't know the lay of the land. Connor didn't realize he was actually doing a Comedy Central roast. Yeah. And then they get to Toronto. I said this on the broadcast. I went, you're going to see Connor's true colors in Toronto because he knows the lay of the land. He realized what's going on now. You're going to see Conor McGregor in his vintage form. And he comes out and he has some great one-liners. So, you know, I give Connor overall an A+. I give Floyd an A, A+. I think it takes two to tango. So I thought they were great. But, but. Brooklyn... Oh, we in, in my line of business comedy, we call that bombing. Yeah, but Brooklyn was a bomb. London was a little better, but um, it was a spectacle, man. Listen, you have the best comics in the world. If you have to have them come up with new material and roast the same yeah. guy for four days in a row, yeah. those after two, it's going to get tough for anybody. Mm-hmm. So they're asking those guys a lot. They really are, and. The staff, you know, Paulie, Malinaji, myself, we're exhausted. And we're just talking about these guys. <laughs> Those guys, that I can't believe that, that they, they're even going to pull off what they did. What was your biggest laugh-out-loud moment from uh, from either one of the boxers or, or, or I guess, uh, combatants? Yeah, there you go. Uh, boxers works, too. Um, you know, I'd probably say when uh, I, I got a little nervous, not, not so much laugh-out-loud, when, when Floyd Mayweather... Grab the Tron- the Irish flag in, yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. I went. Oh, I don't know how this is gonna go. Like that, I almost feel like he crossed the line a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was it was a little tough there. And then Connor grabs his his uh, backpack and he goes, "What? There's no money in this." And I'm just like, "What are they gonna do right now?" I felt like everyone was on the edge of their toes. And why do you I, have a school bag you can't read? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes, he goes, "You dress like this. You have a school bag, no books. You can't even read." I yeah. thought there were some great lines. Yeah, there. It was, it was, lines. It, there was the entertainment value to a degree. I think I, I think it was just overkill. Like I thought, okay, one one would have been great. And as you said, the second one after they kind of got loosened up a little bit. Toronto was great, and, yeah. and then you know when I was in Brooklyn, I, I think everyone could feel it too. The guys were about two hours late, so Paulie, myself, and Brian, we had to cu- cover up about ninety minutes of airtime, and you know it's it's this weird show, and they have this this weird music act behind us, and it was I don't know. Break down the fight for me, McGregor in the ring, not yeah. being able to rely on some of his better tricks. Um, how does he do, and how does he? Not only compete, but potentially beat Mayweather. Yeah, I, I think the keys for Connor to, to make this fight competitive and surprise a lot of people is, you know, you'll hear people go, well, with Floyd, when he fought Madonna and Madonna had that bully style and got in his face, that's what he needs to do. 
That's crazy. That's like uh, you know going to a dance, doing the salsa, and you get there and you just start break dancing. That's that's not what got you to the dance. Sure. What Connor needs to do is what got him to this point, which is his timing, his accuracy, uh, his size, and, and really kind of that that X factor where he can predict what you're going to do before you even do it. So he's going to have to use his reach, his size, his footwork. He, he's awkward. He's awkward in mixed martial arts, which is tough to do. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of awkward guys, but he out awkward's other guys. So he. He needs to do that, use his angles, and really wait for the opportunity because he's going to land some good shots. He needs to make them count because when he lands the, that shot from an awkward angle, Floyd Mayweather, the reason why he's so good is you might have a plan A, B, and C. They might work. Do they finish them? They, they haven't. 49 guys haven't been able to. So if you don't finish them in those A, B, and C, he takes those away. So you better have a D, E, and F. I don't know if Connor has that D, E, and F, but what Connor does has is, is the power in A, B, and C to put Floyd away. Final question. I'm always intrigued by this question when somebody has a, a, a bit of a different name for their child or their dog. Yes. What's your child's name? Tiger. Why? Uh, you know, but me and uh, my fiance were kind of mulling over names and... Um, I, you know, my his name is Tiger Pax Shab. So mm-hmm. Pax, uh, to my uncle who passed away, who's the greatest man I knew, uh, the most successful guy I knew. Nice. And I just, I didn't want him to be average. I didn't want to, you know, no, no disrespect to Johns, Larrys, Brines, Bills. I just, I want something different for him. But why I Tiger? Did, I don't know. It's just, just, I woke up one morning and I looked at my girl and went, just bear with me. I know we're going over Brian, Bob, Bill, Dave. <laughs> just, I said, don't say anything. Just sit on it for a second. Tiger. And she went, nah. I went, shh. Just think about it. Get back to me. And she sat on it. And, you know, here we are now. I kind of made the choice. So. How, how old? He's 17 months. Oh, so you haven't had the golf club in his hand yet. <laughs> no. <'Cause> you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. No, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. That old Tiger Woods stuff is yeah, messing uh, up the vibe yeah, here. Yeah, kind, kind of second oh, oh, thought. Oh, yeah, hopefully he can do better than that guy down the road. Yeah, yeah. Brandon, Make better this, life choices. This was awesome. Thank you so yeah, much for thank doing you this. So much. In, in, enjoy the fight. And, and when you come back into town, if you've got another date yes. uh, at the Phoenix or somewhere yes, else. Yes, sir. Give us a shout ahead of time. We'll come on. We'll pump 100%. it for you. 100%. Awesome. Thank you so, Thank you so much, much for doing this. That's Brendan Schaub, the lead MMA analyst for Showtime and selling out the Phoenix last night uh, on his comedy tour. When we come back, Izzy Fair will talk some baseball as we continue with Toronto Today. I'm Mike Hogan in for Wheeler. This is TSN 1050. Now, Gibbons is still jawing with Will Whittle. Whittle isn't facing Gibbons. Now Whittle's going to yeah. dust off the play with his That's foot. That's it. Maybe he took one for his team. And Strowman is gone. Wow, he's gone. And now Strowman is going nose-to-nose. Russell Martin gets in between him, and Strowman wants a piece of Will Little. It has broken out big time at the Rogers Center. Martin's getting into it also, and, and they're trying to control him. Thank you to our friends at KGMZ for the audio of the projections. Oral. 29 before 12 o'clock. Once again, our thanks to Brendan Schaub for joining us in the studio. Now for some baseball talk, and uh, the Jays, uh, four in a row. But the main story still seems to be nothing about what's going on on the field. It's still the trade rumors, but uh, we'll get into that eventually. But uh, we'll talk uh, some, uh, I guess, a little bit about yesterday's game, certainly off the top. Israel Fair joins us, uh, Blue Jays reporter for the Athletic T.O. How you doing, Izzy? Hoagie, always good to be on. I'm good. Pleasure's mine, sir. Um, when did Kendris Morales turn into Barry Bonds? <laughs> Great question. Um, I mean, I think anytime time the ninth or the tenth inning rolls around, he's been he's been coming up clutch for this team. That's for sure. Uh, he's had uh, some big hits. Uh, I think overall the production has been 
what we expect, but uh, he's come up big for this team uh, a few times this season. Has it been enough to, to put them over the top? No, but uh, this week for sure, uh, a couple more big homers for uh, for the big guy in the middle of the lineup. Um, when Pierce hit his blast in extra innings, did you think it was going foul, or did you think right from the get-go it was gone? I saw it off the bat. I mean, I got a pretty good vantage point from from the press box right behind the plate yep. that uh it was going to to stay fair uh, i mean that was a that was a rocket that was a, a really hard hit line drive and and i guess kind of initially uh, as soon as you make contact you think okay this thing's gonna hook but as soon as it kind of traveled over the infield i, I had a pretty good idea that it was uh gonna end the game it's four in a row now, and they're doing it despite all of the trade rumors that are flying around. I, I'll preface it by saying I know it was the Oakland A's. But that said, uh, are you surprised that they've been able to block out some of the external ex- uh, distractions and be able to play as well as they did? For the most part, I know the, I know the, uh, the one game where they scored the three late, they really didn't do anything through eight. But uh, for the most part, they've played fairly well. They've been, they've been all right, but I do think that that... A part about the the Oakland A's being yeah. the opponent is the the major factor. Uh, I mean that that A's team is is not a very good team right now. And the one start where Sonny Gray went, uh, he pitched well outside of a of a fielding error that he made that that cost the the A's a bunch of runs. And you look at that game Wednesday night with the uh, with the two homers in the ninth against a uh, a guy who Santiago Casilla who can be a bit of a shaky closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean credit to them, uh, credit to the Blue Jays for for. Absolutely, blocking out some of the the trade distractions that that may be swirling right now. I don't imagine that's very easy to deal with on a personal level and and getting those wins. But I mean, that's sort of what we've been waiting to see from this team for for four months now. They've had different stints and stretches where you're going, okay, well, all they need to do is just kind of buckle down and, and get some wins and kind of right here, right before the trade deadline is when they've finally been able to do it against a, a team that is uh, banged up, uh, doesn't have a ton of depth, and uh, I mean, they, the Jays did take advantage of a couple of, of strong opportunities. Before we get into the trade rumors, let's talk about the other story yesterday, and that was uh, Will Little and uh, his strike zone and the ejections. There was there was some uh, I guess some animosity early on about some potential missed calls. Uh, did before we get into the Jays' reaction, what did you think of the strike zone yesterday? Yeah, I thought it was tight. Uh, it was one of the tighter zones that I've seen this season. Uh, Both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Both ways. Uh, I mean, in the way that Marcus Stroman pitches, not in terms of his emotions, but in terms of of his sinker, uh, that that tight zone will probably go against him more often than not just because of how much movement he has on his pitches and that can be tough for an umpire to read i i think will little had a, a tough day behind the plate and uh it, it was kind of one of those disadvantages that the i mean marcus stroman's the way that he can spin the ball the way that he can move the ball uh all over the plate is a, a huge benefit for him uh when he's on uh when an umpire is off then uh, in that case it hurts him a little bit but yeah i mean i thought it was a it was a tight zone that's for sure on both sides and uh both sides were uh vocal about it on the field at least uh from what we could see and uh definitely i mean the vijays bore the brunt of it with the ejections that's for sure i guess the one thing that you have to to be able to adjust to at that level specifically is uh especially if the umpire is being consistent that if it's a tight strike zone it's 
a, a tight strike zone, and you have to change your game plan accordingly. Uh, I, I would think that as long as it's consistent, uh, the guys should not have a major problem. Uh, although I'm sure they want that corner, uh, if they don't get it, they should realize by the second or third inning that they're not going to get it. Sure. Well, I mean, it, it, it's tough. Uh, Marcus Stroman specifically yeah. had a, a couple of those pitches on the corner uh, that didn't go his way. Uh, the one that ended up getting him tossed was probably a bit outside, but I think it was um, kind of a, a build up from some of these borderline pitches not going his way consistently. And, and you're, you're right in terms of uh, wanting to have an umpire being consistent is probably priority number one. But over the course of the game, especially the fact that Stroman walked six guys, he's a guy that really throughout his career and certainly since he's been with the Blue Jays has not struggled with command at any time. He's a guy that pitches aggressively, pitches in the zone, and, and that was probably – what fueled his frustration uh, and ultimately led to him taking it out on the umpire in, in some way, at least. Uh, were you able to hear what he said <laughs> to the umpire? Like, was he that loud? Could you hear he the chirping? He wasn't that loud, no. Uh, and really for him, uh, he was he was pretty, pretty calm. Um, by normal standards and his standards, which are, you know, we, we've we've been able to hear him in the press box before um, with with different things when he's fired up or when he's he's going at the, an opponent or when he's talking to himself. Yesterday he was he was pretty cool, um, and we we couldn't make out what was going on, and and really the the fact that Little took off his mask and went down the line a little bit, went away from his spot behind the plate. Uh, kind of escalated the situation, and, and really, Stroman didn't go crazy, didn't go nuts until he was taught. So it was it was kind of one of those things that uh, I think a little bit disappointing in the way that the umpire handled it. Um, but uh, I do understand Stroman's frustrations. Israel Fair joining us from the Athletic Athletic TO, and Monday four o'clock is the trade deadline. Um, I, I assume that there are always trade rumors flying around, as you guys have some time to kill <laughs> covering a baseball game. Uh, what's what's the best and most uh, interesting rumor that you've heard so far? The one that's really ramping up right now is uh, that teams are interested in Francisco Liriano as uh, a potential long guy, but they have uh, the interest there sort of the same way that the Blue Jays did in the, at the deadline last year, that he could be a guy that could help them out of the bullpen as a, as a wipeout lefty, a guy that can come in and, and get a, a tough lefty out. Uh, I was on with uh, with Scotty Mack and Scotty Mitch a couple of days ago on the station, and we we had a, an extended discussion about that and uh, how difficult that may be for some teams because of how inconsistent Liriano can be. But if he was able to to harness all that talent and, and harness the quality of his stuff for for one or two at bats over the course of a game of a series, uh, then you could see the value there. And it appears that there are teams out there that are interested in bringing him in. Um, pending free agents so they know that they don't have to uh, take on salary beyond this year and, and seeing maybe this is a guy that can help us if we need a spot start down the stretch. This is a guy that can be a, a lefty guy out of the bullpen. So that, that, that seems to be, at this point anyway, kind of uh, the most top-of-mind trade rumor for the Blue Jays. It was amazing when he came over here last year because he found the strike zone like that. Uh, it, was, it, it was just it was weird seeing how he had changed from 
pitching in Pittsburgh to pitching here. And then in spring this year, he was nasty. He was just filthy all the way through spring training. And then when the lights came on in the regular season, he blew up real good. What the hell happened? God, that's it's it's his career, really. You look back uh, to his early days with the Twins, uh, came out on the scene, had uh, a couple of really good seasons, and then really the roller coaster started there. And uh, he, he went undergone. He went underwent Tommy Tommy John, and uh, that certainly is something that I, probably factors into the equation at least a little bit. But you look at his days with the Twins, with with Pittsburgh, where at least he found some pretty good consistency with Pittsburgh. But then last year struggled mightily out of the gates, all of a sudden comes to Toronto. And like you said, he, he was a, a pretty good pitcher for this team down the stretch. Uh, he gave them some good innings, uh, was able to come into the rotation late in the season and give them some good starts. This year, kind of same deal. The expectations for him were pretty high, and he just he hasn't been able to put it together. And it, part of it is that his delivery is, is herky-jerky. It's something that's tough to repeat. Part of it is that his main pitch, the slider, is is when it's on, it's great. When it's off, it's it's kind of something that uh, hitters know that they're, they're not going to swing at as soon as he throws it just because of, of the nature of that pitch. And that makes him uh, kind of a, a Jekyll and Hyde pitcher in a way. And uh, the highs have been very high for him. He's had a, a very successful major league career. But the lows can be can be frustrating for him, that's for sure, and and then for for his teams, and, and I guess at this point for uh, some of the the contenders out there that are thinking about trading for him. Final question: Should the Jays fans even be geeked up about this trade deadline? Because of anybody, they is there anybody that they would trade that wouldn't clear waivers anyway? Yeah, that's uh, that's the the great question, and I do think that really the the names that are being bandied about and that are. The, the, the rumors are heating up right now would would probably all clear those waivers and that there's there's the real possibility that if you're looking at Liriano, Marco Estrada, Jose Bautista, Joe Smith, the, the pending free agents, that maybe one of those guys gets moved before the deadline and two or three of those guys end up clearing waivers and, and could be an August move. So it's, uh, it's kind of a, a weird spot to be in, I think, for Jays fans right now because you have the sweep against the A's. You're feeling good about the team. Obviously, they, they won some games. That's great. But to, to try to put that in a box and say, okay, well, what does this still say about the team? And then thinking about the deadline and kind of realizing that uh, they're not going to make any major moves right now, which which I think is probably the fair play. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's been an interesting season, and uh, this stretch right here will uh, will keep being interesting that's for sure a pleasure as always israel have a great weekend and uh, the countdown to trade deadline is on thanks for doing this you got it hoagie anytime take that's care israel fair joining us from the athletic to and a reminder that we are going to be all over the trade deadline there is a trade deadline news show uh on these airwaves on tsn 1050 on sunday with andy mcnamara between four and six on monday uh it it, it works out perfectly i'll be in for uh, scotty mack and the baseball hour is 3 to 4, and that works out perfectly because the trade deadline is 4 o'clock. And Scotty Mack will be in at 4 o'clock. Gord Ash will join uh, he and Dave Festchuk in studio from 5 to 6, and they will recap everything that's going on. And then Steve Phillips will be in studio with Scotty Mack and Mr. Festchuk at 6 o'clock for, uh, for an extended visit. So... If you're looking for stuff to uh, to keep you up to speed on trade deadline day or 
the day before. Just keep listening to TSN 1050. More to come. We've got uh, more baseball coming up in the next hour as uh, we will have Steve Buff rejoining us from the Toronto Sun, Post Media. Scott Salmon will join us, who is the VP of Hockey Operations and National Teams for Team Canada. What's the Olympic selection process like without the NHLers involved? And Chris Cuthbert, the voice of uh, the NHL and the CFL on TSN will drop by. Argos taking on Saskatchewan on this very radio station on Saturday. We'll preview that for you as well as we continue with Toronto Today. I'm Mike Hogan in for Gareth Wheeler on TSN 1050. Forty-nine is Toronto today. Mike Hogan in for Gareth Wheeler. It is so easy to get out of your car lease at Canada's number one lease takeover marketplace, LeaseBusters. Avoid penalties and early termination. Go to LeaseBusters.com. Coming up in the next hour, some hockey talk, some baseball talk, and the one and only Chris Cuthbert joining us as well from Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, here's a, a programming note for you and, and a way for you to, uh, to play along and... Uh, listen to some of the interesting audio that has aired on the radio station over the last year. Sound Wars is coming to TSN 1050. It's basically a bracket. Think NCAA. 32 of the best on-air moments and sound bites will start coming your way on Monday when Naylor and the Landsberg, uh, the Naylor and Landsberg show takes to the airwaves. And it'll continue all day long. And you'll get a chance to vote for your favorite sound bite. So it's basically the bracket on tsn1050.ca, and you can vote thereafter every Sound Wars airs. So it's just a way to have some fun in August, and it is brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Lighter Up Light Lager at select Loblog grocery stores. Do you have an early... Uh, Michael Skrizniak is a guy who deals with the audio on this show on a daily basis. Skriz nasty. Do you have a favorite audio clip from what you have been able to, uh, to hear? Is there a front runner in this? I think uh, is a catch-up on that. Is has to be the early favorite. That would work. That would work. Keith Bauer is our producer today for some unknown reason. Uh, is, from what you have heard, is there a is there a early heavy favorite? I mean, you can't go wrong with the is there catch-up on that, yeah. which I do believe is the number one seed. But a personal favorite, and this is you know a separate bracket from the soundbite challenge, but in the. Um, I guess it was, I can't remember the name of it exactly, but the uh, Austin Matthews, four goals, Ooh, Joe, Joe Bowen, Bowen call, definitely, uh, that's definitely a good one. Can't get tired of hearing that one, that's for sure. But that is it. It's, it's, it's interview clips, it's uh, sound bites from athletes, it's play-by-play stuff that's been on the radio station. So uh, it's just, it's 32 memorable sound bites that uh, you'll have the opportunity to vote on. So that should be fun. But if Scrizz Nasty is going with, is there ketchup on that? as the early favorite, I would think that we'd have to go that way. You're confident? You're comfortable? You think this, or, or could there be an upset? Ketchup on that? Yeah. It's pretty uh-huh. good. It is pretty good. Or they did it, Naylor. That's been getting a lot of play, too. Those overdrive guys, they're pretty funny. Allegedly. 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 Uh, let's see. Canadian Open is underway as well. Keith, I want to talk to you about this because we were in the, uh, in the producer's office. You're not into the Canadian Open. I'm not, and it's as someone who's golfed my entire life, no. I've almost surprised myself that I'm not into it. It's just, you know, we spent so much time talking about the British Open last week, and, you know, this is something we've dealt with year after year um, since the Canadian Open got moved to the week after the Open Championship. But I've just, like I told you last night over text, like I'm just, I'm, I'm golfed out. 
I, I don't even know exactly what I mean by that. I just feel like I've had <laughs> and that's why I've I want to bring you on to, dis- last week. to describe this. Is it just because of the Open Championship? Uh, because this is not a major, and while it's a decent field, considering where it is on the uh, on the calendar, it's not the best in the world all gathered at the same place. No, and also I think something that plays a role is that it's Glen Abbey, and you know Glen Abbey's obviously been you know the favorite for the Canadian Open sure. for you know year after year after year, and I guess just. After so many years of hearing about Glen Abbey, it just feels like kind of a deja vu feel. The, the cool thing is, I've been lucky to golf. I haven't golfed it a lot, but I've golfed it a handful of times. I always find it intriguing to see what the pros are doing on a course that I've played and just how they turn it into a different golf course. Um, you can relate a little bit. So anybody who's ever played Glen Abbey, I think you'd have a different opinion maybe if you had played the course because you'd be looking at it differently. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And I was telling Scrismo off the air earlier. Like I've I've never played the course, but I've you know I've I've played enough courses around the GTA. And in terms of spacing, I don't think there's many other courses that can actually fit it. And like Bob Weeks yeah. was telling us, you know, telling the morning show yesterday, telling us on Overdrive yesterday, it's you know a lot of the decisions that go into where a tournament is being held, and so much the course, but it's uh, the surrounding area, the sure. hotels, the ability for uh, ticket sales. So. Courses, you know, way up north of Muskoka, way out east in Cape Breton, those may seem like better options, but just because of the surrounding area, there's yeah. there's no way that could ever happen. Absolutely. We'll uh, scoot away. When we come back, we will talk about the Olympic hockey team. How are they making the selections? Well, the VP of Hockey Ops and National Teams for Team Canada is Scott Salmon. He'll join us next as we continue with Toronto Today on TSN 1050.